Welcome back to EmigCast. This is Will Hockett, and this is part B of our episode here with Dr. Eric McCoy. In this episode, he's going to talk a little bit about balance while you're on clinical rotations, going to give us a few more tips, and then he's going to tell us about his intriguing backstory. Really like this guy, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you do, please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at EmigCast, emigcast at gmail.com if you want to email us, or you can even find our posts on Reddit. So we'd love to hear from our listeners out there and let us know what you're thinking. And so we'll move on to uh, the, the final topic uh, on how to have a massive impact on any rotation. So first we talked about becoming an asset and not, not a liability. And you do that through providing service to your patients, to your team, and adding value to your team. And so anything you can do to be that puzzle piece that complements the team's goals and objectives and what they're doing. So you're adding, you're not removing value. Second, we spoke about how to always continually learn. So always upgrade your software. And what I mean by that is you always have to continue to increase your knowledge base and your skill set. That process never ends. So upgrade your software. And last but not least, how you can have a massive impact on any rotation is to achieve or to think about or to work on balance. And what I mean by balance is life balance. Now, in the profession of medicine, that is your, your career, the career that you're working on. But when I talk about balance, I'm talking about the balance or integration of your life's pie, your, like your whole life's pie. So above and beyond just your career, there are other aspects of your being. You know, you have your professional life your social life, your romantic life, your financial life, your spiritual life. There are so many different facets of you as a student or you as a healthcare provider that constitute who you are, what your being is. And if there is a significant amount of imbalance in that, that imbalance starts to bleed into all the areas or all the different sections of your pie. Because if you're really not balanced outside of work, it's going to be hard to achieve balance and achieve focus while you're at work. And so what, do I, what am I trying to get at by discussing with you or you should be achieving balance in all of your life? Well, as a student, you probably, as I discussed, have the least amount of responsibility, most amount of time. And even as a student, you're trying to balance things. You have your personal life, your family, your loved ones, who to a certain degree, you know, you've had to sacrifice time with them as an investment to your future career. And that's perfectly fine. However, as you go up in the game of medicine, as you ascend in your status, as you go from medical student to resident, maybe to fellow, to attending, to a professional, your responsibilities are only going to increase exponentially. And your time is going to drop off at about the same rate. So you're going to have Many more things on your plate. If you think there's a lot of things on your plate now as a medical student, which there are, that plate is going to get exponentially larger, more full, the higher you go up in your training. And your time is going to be sucked like you wouldn't even believe. And so I encourage you and implore you to right now as a student, start working on your life's balance. And you are the person who's most well positioned to know what that balance is. I can't tell you what that is. 
Your spouse can't tell you. Well, maybe your spouse might be able to tell you what that is. Your parents can't tell you what that. Your employers can't tell you what that perfect balance is for you. And I'm talking about your life balance. Because if you don't focus on that now and have that as a a substantive block on your plate, it's only going to get more difficult as you go higher in your training to somehow in some way maintain that life's balance. And medicine is a career or a profession that can consume 120% of your entire being. So there aren't enough minutes in a day to learn everything that you need to learn. There's not enough minutes in a day to do everything that you need to do. So medicine can truly consume your entirety if you let it. That's not a good or a bad thing. I'm just stating the facts. Now, when your life's balanced, that might be okay or that might not be okay. You have to decide what that means for you. Because it's the distinction between are you working for a living or are you working to support a living? And even though it's a nuanced statement, it has a tremendous impact and a tremendous amount of implications for how you live your life. Now, there are some clinicians and there are some professions who could say, you know what? 99% of who I am is what I do at work. And there's nothing wrong with that. If myself or a loved one has to go under surgery and somebody has to cut into my skull, I want that person to be like, hey, you know what? All I do all day, every day, nothing else is just work on the brain. That's it. Got it. That's who I want doing that for me. That's the type of mentality that you want. But at the same token, there are also some clinicians that say, hey, you know what? I want to be effective and efficient in my career. But there are other aspects of my life that also bring me a sense of fulfillment. And when I bring up the word fulfillment, I want to distinguish between the the science of achievement, which medical students are pretty good at and healthcare professionals are pretty good at, and the art of fulfillment. Achievement is a science. Hey, we could teach you certain content and you can regurgitate it, got it. You'll get licensed or you'll be able to do X, Y, or Z. But fulfillment in your career or your life is an art. It's an art. It's something that you have to work on yourself and it's something that you're molding through the course of your time on this earth. And so I would implore you to start thinking about the art of fulfillment with regards to not only your career, but your life. Because you may find that you really like a certain aspect of your career, but it's really detrimental to certain areas of your life. And in your life's pie, you may be taking a hit. That makes any sense. You may be super happy here in this one area, but that happiness or that achievement is draining from other areas of your life. And if it drains enough from other areas of your life to really take from the value of your life's pie, you're probably not going to be a fulfilled, happy person just in general. And I would, I would make the statement that you want to have a sense of fulfillment in all aspects of your life because you could have them in one area and it could be a severe detriment in others and your overall net happiness levels, if I can make up some level term, decreases. Even though you're doing great somewhere, other areas of your life start to suffer. And they don't teach us this actually anywhere in high school, undergrad, medical school, residency, or as a professional. There are certain things in life where we just have to learn ourselves or hopefully we cross paths with mentors along the way. And so these are things that 
have a tremendous impact on your lifestyle and your well-being, but have no content delivery in school. And so start to think about, well, what do I want for my total life's balance? Am I working for a living or am I working to support a living? And there are different professions or specialties within the profession of medicine that may be more or less amenable to balancing your life's pie because you could be the most awesome ex, whatever that is, clinician or pediatrician or surgeon. And you could be on a scale of one to 10, nine in your eyes. But at home in your family life, if you're performing at a two or a three, ah, that might be, that might not be the appropriate balance. You might have to say, okay, I'm comfortable being like an eight, an eight as an EM physician or eight as a neurosurgeon. If I can get up to like a nine in my family life, and that's better than being a nine in my profession and a two in my family life, if that makes any sense. And so you have to put the units and values on what you value, because of course you could always be better at any aspect of life, but there's an opportunity cost to that. And so if you want to go all in on one area, something else, somewhere else has to be given up somehow, some way. And so without that balance, your whole life's pie, your whole fulfillment starts to decrease. And you will see through the course of your career, a distribution of how fulfilled certain clinicians are. We are privileged in, especially of EM, to work with just about all the other specialties. And I'll tell you that everybody is not as happy as society thinks they are in the profession of medicine. And that's not because they're not great clinicians, it's because there are certain sacrifices. And if we go into this eyes wide open, knowing that, hey, you know what, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices in identifying what areas of my life that I am not going to budge on, you're probably going to have a more fulfilling career. Um, and so now as a student, or even as a resident, if you're listening, start to work on your life's pie and that balance. Because the more you could develop that now, the more you could cultivate it into your career. Because by the time you get, you know, past residency and fellowship, you do the fellowship and, and you start your career, your responsibilities are just going to explode. And there is going to be really difficult to start working on that balance when you're 5, 10, 15 years in. But now as a student, when you have the most amount of time, identify what's important in your life and what are you willing to give up and what are you not willing to give up. That'll allow you to make better decisions uh, with your time in general. And if you can have a more balanced life, you could be more effective uh, in the clinical setting. And there's no better way to be most effective than to be working at your peak potential. And you, can, you can't work at your peak potential unless you're focused. And you can't be focused unless there's a certain amount of enough balance that allows you to be focused on the task at hand. So balance. So become an asset and then a liability, upgrade your software, and continuously focus on what balance means for you. Thanks for that, Dr. McCoy. I find a certain synergy between being able to get out of clinic, to go out, do something, camping, cycling, running, what have you, and then being able to get back to the books. And for me, it keeps me refreshed and helps keep me balanced.
Absolutely. You definitely want to recharge your batteries, whatever that means. For some people, it may be fishing or hiking or camping or spending time with family. Those things are just as important, in my eyes, more important than things that we're doing at work. Not saying I don't like what I do at work, but you want to recharge. Because if you think back to it, all the most precious times in our lives were time spent with our family or our loved ones, not necessarily doing certain things at work, if that makes any sense. So life is more than just the passage of time. It's, it's experiences, a collection of those experiences, their intensity and their frequency. And those things that give the most amount of happiness typically happen outside of the workhouse. And so it's very important to recharge your battery in whatever way, shape, or form that you recharge your battery. And like you said, just to get out with your friends or whatnot, students, medical students in particular, or just people in general, we always seem to push off happiness. I'll use that term loosely. We always seem to push off our own happiness over the cognitive horizon. Because remember, Will, back in high school, man, if I can only like, get into a good college, then like then I'll, I'll be happy. And when we were in high school, all of us did it, you know, in, in medicine. If I can only get into a good college, it'll be all right. And then I'll, I'll be happy. And you do everything it takes to get into a good college and you're finally in college. And like, oh, the happiness doesn't come. Why? Because you have all these tests, you have all these midterms. But the next step is if I can only get into, if I can only get into medical school, man, if I can only get into medical, then I'll be happy. I'll be happy if I can get into medical school. And you bust your ass doing whatever you could do to get into medical school so you can be happy. And then you get into medical school and the happiness like never comes. Why? Because, man, I got to study for anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, pharmacology. Man, if I can only just get to this test, if I can only just pass this midterm, if I can only just. And it's always thinking if I can only just achieve something and on the other side of achievement, I'll find happiness. But in fact, the, the literature shows, this is not medicine, but the psychology literature shows that <clears throat> that framework is backwards, right? It's, it's not a, achievement, success, and happiness. Happiness doesn't come afterwards. You, you have to start off with that mindset. So this enjoying yourself, being happy comes before, comes before all these achievements. And so they've been they've done research on this that shows that individuals in an optimistic and a happy mindset are more productive than those individuals who are in a or in a depressed, um, passive, submissive state. I'm, I'm generalizing here. But your mindset, if you're in an appropriate mindset, if you're appreciative, if you're grateful, if you're happy, you're in a mindset to be more productive because you're looking out for more opportunities. You're appreciative for the opportunities that you have. And you capitalize on those opportunities. They've studied even like, I think, nuns and high school students and professionals on their, their, their mindset and their levels of happiness and what they've gone on to achieve months or years later compared to those who weren't in that mindset. So it's about enjoying your time now, because if you can't find ecstasy in this moment, it's going to be tremendously difficult to find it at the other end of what you think is going to bring you happiness. So sure, you're always going to have in school a test or a midterm that's coming up. That thought process shouldn't preclude you from having a dinner with your loved ones or your family or your friends or going camping or catching a movie. Because in the process of achieving our goals, we're living life. 
in, in my humble opinion, time is our most precious non-renewable resource. Once we lose a minute, an hour, a day, we can never get it back. And so we have to learn to enjoy now. We have to learn how to be present now. At the same time, we have to accomplish our responsibilities, but we have to learn to enjoy the process. Otherwise, we're always going to be pushing our happiness over that cognitive horizon. If I could just, I'll just wait till I pass this midterm, then I could see my friends. I'll just wait till I finish this final exam, then I could have dinner with my spouse. I'll just wait until, and then I can X. Well, if that's your mentality, your whole life is going to be pushing off things just over some type of horizon. But every time you get there, you push it off further. Oh, I'm in medical school now. If I can just get into the best residency, you're in residency. If I can just get a good job, you get a good job. If I could just meet these performance metrics all along the way, you're living life. So live it to the fullest, maintain that balance and start working on it now today. Dr. McCoy, I really appreciate your perspective on things. Could you tell us a little bit more about your backstory? How did you get, get into medicine in the first place? I developed my mindset by just being a student of the world, actually. And so I grew up uh, in a household where my parents were separated. My father left when I was, I don't know, maybe four or five or six or so. And, and my mother, I had up to a sixth grade education. And so all throughout my life, all I knew for the most part was just hard work. That was it. I had to make up with in hard work time, energy, and effort, what I lacked in knowledge, what I lacked in skills, what I lacked in innate talent, what I lacked in intellect, because that's all I knew was hard work. And I didn't really have any advisors um, to guide me anywhere along the way. And so, for instance, in undergrad, I, um, I had three jobs and went to school full time because my mindset was, hey, I have to work hard to get to that next level. And in fact, that's what I saw my mom doing. You know, between she and I, when I was in high school, I was working at a Dairy Queen um, after school just about every day. And she was working as a janitor uh, throughout the evening, all night. And in the morning, she would get up, change out of her clothes and go. She's a beautician. She did hair all day. And by the time she got home to sleep, I got home from school. I took the car and I worked until 11. And when I drove home, she was outside in her outfit to go, you know, clean bathrooms and vacuum. And she would be up waiting for the car outside and I get out and the car would still be on. And so I come from a perspective of just grit, just busting your ass to get to that next level. And for me, it was seeing my mom work hard. And so when I was young, my mentality was, well, what can I do to take any weight off of her shoulders? Because all she did all day and all night was work, sleep, <coughs> and provide for me. And so at an early age, my thought process was, if I could do anything that's going to take any weight off of her, I have to do that. I have to provide value. I don't know where I got that mindset from because I didn't have a father there to teach me, but I just got it from observing and being appreciative of what I was given. And I was appreciative of having a place to sleep as a young kid because, um, you know, it wasn't always certain if I was going to live in a home or have a bed to sleep in. It was tenuous at certain times in my young childhood. So I was appreciative to live in a place where I had a bed to sleep in. So by the time I was a teenager, 
my mindset was, man, how do I minimize that risk and maximize the value I add to my household, me and my mother? And so throughout undergrad, you know, I worked three jobs. I did research in the day. I taught physics at night and I was still working at Dairy Queen uh, nights and weekends. And I always thought that I knew the least amount because no one was there to tell me otherwise. You know, I didn't have really any mentors. So my mentors just became the environment. And if I didn't know something, I'd learn, I'd read a book on it, or I'd ask a professor. And I took insight from all those that I've crossed paths with and have learned from that. And I've learned from my mistakes. But more importantly, I try to figure out how I can learn from other people's mistakes. Because I've learned that there just about isn't any answer that hasn't been answered. Somebody somehow, somewhere knows about it. And whether they wrote it in a book or there was a podcast or there was a professor, I could somehow get that knowledge. Um, and, I, and I took that mindset all throughout my career, knowing that, hey, I know very little um, and I'm honest with myself. I don't know that much. How do I know? Well, let me let me take that next. Let me take that next step. And that was uh, the next step for me in medicine. In undergrad, you know, I, I was thinking of two career paths were almost diabolically opposed. I either wanted to be a, a sniper in the FBI or, or teach in medicine. You're like, how the hell are you going to either be sniping in the FBI? How'd that happen? <clears throat> well, one of my role models, my brother-in-law, uh, Jesse, uh, growing up, he was one of my role models. And he was in a, he worked in similar type of work. And I would go train with him sometimes and he'd take me, we'd be repelling down these several story buildings and we'd go shooting all the time. And I was like, man, how, how are you doing this, all this fun and getting paid for it? How, how can I sign up? But at the time, this is an undergrad, I wasn't old enough uh, and I didn't have perfect vision. This is like before the whole Lasix type of activity. So who knows now, maybe the, maybe the requirements have changed. And so I wasn't young, I wasn't old enough. I didn't have perfect eyesight. So a career in education, teaching, and medicine, that's the career path I chose. And I didn't know anybody in medicine. Um, like I said, my parents were separated. My mom has a sixth grade education. No one I knew was in healthcare. In fact, I was the first person to graduate from college. Um, so how did I learn about medicine? I went to volunteer at a local emergency department. And that was, that was what medicine was for me. The doctor you see when you go into the emergency department, I didn't know any better. So I volunteered there and decided, hey, you know what? That looks pretty interesting. Um, you can go from one moment somebody has a sprained ankle to the next moment somebody got shot in the face. Wow, this is pretty diverse uh, and it's challenging. And so that's what kind of prompted me to go into medicine for emergency medicine specifically. But I had an open mind because I didn't know anything about anything when I first entered medicine. And I learned that I kind of like a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and the more that I got engaged with the other rotations, the more I learned that maybe I just happened to stumble upon the right profession uh, for me. And I also like the lifestyle aspect of it. I like to work to support a living as opposed to for a living. Because um, for me, the most important thing in my life's pie is certainly not my career. Granted, I love my career. But my family and my faith come well, well above and before anything else I do in any other areas of my life. But granted, that also helps me provide the best quality care in the clinical setting. And so my mindset comes from just being honest with myself on not knowing what I don't know and having the, the courage to 
display that to the world. Hey, I don't know, and how do I how do I learn? And continually learning uh, at every stage of the game, it's a continuous process. Um, and I think, well, to be honest with you, the fact that my parents were separated and I didn't have that father figure male role model that that might have been an advantage in my uh, in my view. Granted, I always like to look at uh, the the brighter side of things. That well, maybe I didn't have a, a framework to work off of, so maybe no one was there to tell me what I could do or what I could be. But at the same time, there wasn't any male figure or father figure there to tell me what I couldn't do. So I didn't know what I couldn't do. So I tried everything. You know, um, a few people ask me like, why are you working? You know, one job, let alone two jobs, but three jobs and going to school full time. Well, I didn't know that wasn't a good idea. My focus, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but my focus wasn't, hey, I'm trying to work a lot to show people I can do this. My focus was, how do I put myself through college? And that came from, well, how do I relieve the burden from my mother? So my focus has always just been about the same. How do I provide value? In that case, it just happened to be that that thought process led me into working three jobs because not one of those jobs could support uh, my bills, to be honest with you, and to pay for my books and to pay for everything. So for me, to be honest with you, I I had to do certain things to get where I'm at today because in my mind, I didn't have any alternative. For me, I was going to go to college at all costs, no matter what. I'll pay for it. Same thing with medical school. So I've paid for, well, I'm still paying for uh, my undergrad career, you know, my medical school, my master's. 100% of my education has been financed by me. And it all started with me just wanting to add value at home. How do I relieve the burden from my mother who's busting her ass? And that mindset um, has led to this behavior, which has led to this character, which has led to the results. But it's not that I'm any special person. Um, I, I just have the mindset of, I have to make up in hard work what I lack in everything else. And over time, you start to develop this knowledge base, this skill set, this clinical acumen, this expertise, this intellect. And then I have the opportunity or I'm in a position to help others that are coming behind me not work as hard as I had to. Thanks for that, Dr. McCoy. As a medical student, I'm really happy about where I am and very grateful about the opportunity I've been given. I spent my youth growing up on a traveling carnival, helping out my parents and stuff like that. So to be here now is just kind of incredible. Um, that does it for today's episode. Dr. McCoy, any parting words for us? Yeah, just a, just a reminder, this is Eric McCoy, a.k.a. McCoy, a.k.a. EMAC from the University of California, Irvine, Department of Emergency Medicine, signing out that success lies in a masterful consistency around the fundamentals. Thank you for joining us today on EMAGcast. That wraps up another episode. And thank you to Dr. McCoy for joining us. Dr. McCoy was kind enough to share his personal email address and Twitter handle. If anybody's interested in reaching him, that contact information is available in the liner notes of this episode. And finally, if you enjoyed it, please reach out to us on Facebook with EMAGcast or Gmail, emagcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're interested in listening to. And if you'd like to make your own episode, we're trying to uh, open up our platform here to med students around the country. So if you've got a story idea and you want to develop it, please let us know and we can be of assistance.